Welcome to the first episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady. Alongside me, I have my pal, co-host, and partner in crime, Adrian Pinter. How's it going, Adrian? General Kenobi, I am doing quite well. Thank you very much. It is uh, nice to be with you again. It's been a while. Yeah, things are going well, my friend. H- how are you? Uh, reasonable. The, the, generally the apocalypse at the moment, so uh, not necessarily super ideal, but uh, Okay. I'm getting a dog. Oh, that's awesome. Perfect timing for the apocalypse. You carry it around, you know. Oh, right. You like, know, like, like Fallout. Like Fallout, exactly. That was, a, that was a game reference. This is a film podcast. Do we have any any relevant re- references to this? The oh. Road. I Am the, Legend. The kid is the dog in The Road. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I Am Legend actually works literally. Yeah. Cool. Uh, this is our third attempt at a podcast, and so we've tried to create something more structured here with this film and TV podcast. Specifically, we're not the biggest film experts in the world. We're really fans, and that's yeah. really the idea. It's just creating conversation that you might want to listen to potentially. Yeah, I hope so. Again, we're both enthusiasts at the end of the day. We just really like it, and why not have an excuse to hang out every week and talk about things that we both have a mutual interest in? Yeah, we're just another two people making podcasts. Like we need another another two people making podcasts in the world of COVID-19. I mean, what else is there to do? It's true. Uh COVID-19 actually will be a topic of our show a little bit just because we're going to be talking about release dates. So is Fallout oddly enough. Yeah, it was a strange coincidence. <laughs> it's not like we wrote this down. We tried to start each show with Brist Notions, our Brist Notions podcast, with what we've been watching and what we've been playing. And Brist Notions was, that was one of the problems with it, is our focus was arguably split uh, on that particular show. And that we we had it split between gaming, because we're big PlayStation fans. We're really a fan of storytelling in general, so we tried to bring that to the table by talking about film, TV shows, and PlayStation. Talking about games like God of War as an example on PlayStation, and then at the same time talking about, I don't know, Star Wars or... Um, anime <laughs> or the road um but or anime or anime yeah we had a full we had a full podcast at one point that was about anime yeah, yeah about your name actually yeah which, which yeah. i love it's in my top 10 movies of all time those are such differing opinions for people that don't listen to or really watch or play video games so it's like i don't know that that arguably caused a pol- polarizing issue uh so that's why we're we're getting focused on tv and uh, and movies yeah and so i ask you what, Adrian, have you been watching lately? So, actually, I have three things to talk about. Three things uh, that I have been watching. Uh, one that I have watched, or sorry, two that I have watched, and one that I'm actually in the process of watching. So I'll, I'll uh, start with the one that I have probably the least to say about, that you probably don't know much about. It's a movie called The Cat Returns. So just recently here in Canada, and actually a lot of other uh, countries as well, other than the U.S., a lot of the um, Studio Ghibli movies or Ghibli movies have been put on How Netflix. is it pronounced? Ghibli. <laughs> oh, okay. um, <laughs> the Studio Ghibli movies uh, were put on Netflix. I, I saw believe. that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I believe they're uh, being put on HBO Max in the States. So 
Oh. They're actually finally being put on streaming services. So up until literally earlier this year, you were unable to buy these movies digitally or rent them digitally. But now they're actually just put on streaming services. So the one movie I decided to watch is um, The Cat Returns, which is a super adorable hour and 20 minute movie. Just an easy watch. I uh, asked for a suggestion from my buddy from work and he, he recommended that to me. He's a big fan of like the Studio Ghibli. It's not actually made by Hio Miyazaki, who is probably the most uh, notable creator of that studio, who's done uh, films like Spirited Away, uh, Howl's Moving Castle, these Oscar-nominated and Oscar-winning uh, movies. However, it's it's incredibly adorable. It's long story short, it's about a girl that saves a cat, and that cat actually is a prince. So, these, like Princess and the Frog type of scenario, or uh, kind of to a certain extent. I'm out of my depth. Um, clearly, uh, <laughs> and this. And, and the prince's father, the king of the cat kingdom, essentially kidnaps her to give her a better life and bring her into the cat royalty and um, wants her to essentially become a cat and marry the prince. It kind of goes off from there, and there's a bunch of, like, adorable characters. Anne Hathaway is actually the uh, voice of the main character on the English cast. And it's just an adorable movie. I, I I really do recommend it. If you have an hour and twenty minutes, you just want to pass some time. I would I, I would I would genuinely suggest it. It's it's just very artsy, beautiful art style, like a lot of the Studio Ghibli movies, and honestly, just wholesome. A nice palate cleanser from uh, all the crap that's uh, going on. Sorry, when was that released? Like the, it was released on Netflix recently. But yeah, when it was, was the actual movie released. Two thousand two. Oh, okay, cool. So 2002, it's, a, it's pretty old, and I believe it came 2005 with the English dub. I did watch it in English. Quite a few notable actors. I can't think of them off the top of my head, though. Um, Tim Curry, actually, is the king. That's that's one of one of the big notable ah, actors, neat. the cat king. It's really well done, though. It's really cute. I really do recommend it. Do you have multiple things to talk about? Do you want to do a back-and-forth sort of thing? Sure, we could yeah. do that, yeah, yeah, if you want. The first thing I, I'd like to talk about, I guess it's topical now, I guess, as I just finished Watchmen, as you did months ago, but mm-hmm. I was a little bit late to the party. It was it, I'm talking about Watchmen, not the, the movie, but Damon Lindelof's HBO show. It was it's great. It's, it's, I don't know. We have both a lot to talk about with this particular uh, thing, for sure, just because we've both seen it and... I was very impressed. I had just read the comic, and that's why I was delayed to watch the show in the first place. So I read the comic like quite rapidly when coronavirus started, as I was working from home, essentially. And yeah, the, the show was just really well done. It's, it's a sequel, of course, to the Watchmen comic. And it's done in a way that's very topical because of like the whole Black Lives Matter thing today in, in the United States and Canada and really everywhere. I didn't really, I don't, I don't know, I guess, as much about American history, but the, that was my first exposure to the Greenwood Massacre in Tulsa. It was really neat. It's really cool. The way they twisted certain characters and they, they used the characters from the comic, I think it was just masterfully done overall. The music is amazing as well. I agree. I, I definitely do agree. Um, I think Damon Lindelof is arguably one of my favorite creators of TV. Yeah, um, starting with like Lost alongside J.J. Abrams. And again, Lost is a very special place in my heart. He went on to do The Leftovers, who, which in my opinion is honestly the best show that has ever aired on television. May not be my favorite. I, I would I would make the argument that it, it is. And Watchmen is a fantastic, fantastic miniseries. That's just which so- I didn't know was going to be a miniseries initially. One of the neat things about it is that that wasn't really, I don't think, projected. Nobody said that it was going to be a miniseries. I just figured it was going to be 
uh, a TV series over time and they keep doing multiple seasons. I don't think it was decided until after it was done that it would be just be nine episodes. That's it. Yeah, you're right about that. Completed. Yeah. Uh, which is really, I don't know. I think it's bold for sure because I think that a property like Watchmen will, would have pulled in multiple viewers over time um, if it didn't already for the first season. One thing about it as well was polarizing. Is if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes scores again, is that the user score is much lower than the, the critic score, which is something that we're going to talk about a lot on this show, just because we don't always follow what the critics say, but we most often do believe what the critics say. Not yeah. always. Um, yeah, definitely. But, and sometimes we have differing opinions, which makes this conversation more interesting also. Uh, but yeah, Watchmen's awesome. Uh, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross as the mm-hmm. uh, composers for the score. It's just so great. I was just listening to the soundtrack recently while I was putting together the news items for this podcast, and it's such a great soundtrack. It's ridiculous. It's really good. And again, he's done The Social Network and um, A Girl with a Dragon Tattoo with Daniel Craig as an an example as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, all all around, honestly, uh, that show is genuinely fantastic. It's it's really interesting, like, how differing uh, user um, reviews can be whenever it uh, is in relation to politics i guess the show isn't really about politics at the end of the day it's really just talks about a lot of different things but most notably um like a big through line is like white supremacy again how they approach it is like it's it's fantastically done and there's some amazing characters throughout the show looking glass being i think my like favorite possibly one of, one of the most standout characters in that show he's just such an interesting three-dimensional character Honestly, I, I would say all the characters are. He was like one of the big standouts to me. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I kind of want to rewatch it because yeah, especially you now because you yeah. watched it like last year. Yeah, I watched Which, it uh, when it aired. It's uh, topical anytime, technically, just because of the way it deals with like Black Lives Matter and that yeah. whole thing. It's interesting to see it in the guise of a superhero show to see these deep topics. Yeah. Although Watchmen definitely dealt with that in the com- in the comic in some way as well. Like it's a brilliant comic. It's just interesting to see these deep conversations happening in a comic book TV show. Yeah. No, honestly, I agree a hundred percent. It's done in a way that's like not shoving it down your throat either. Um, I think there's a line where things almost can come off, not necessarily too preachy, but just very like, oh, you're a bad person for thinking um, whatever, almost attacking the viewers in some cases. Whereas Watchmen does it again, like you said, very subtly and, it's fantastically written, fantastically acted. There's not a bad moment in that show in terms of like its quality. And I would make the argument it has one of the best episodes of television of all time. Yeah, um, for sure. Episode I think it's seven. Six, six or seven um, yeah. in that show. Um, I want to say it was seven, but I might We're talking wrong. very vaguely. Yeah. Go watch it if you haven't watched it. Again, can be more topical, I guess. Definitely. I know it seems like it's a superhero show, but it will surprise you. I, I, tro- I told my sister about it, and she didn't seem to want to dive in. I think it's because of the fact that it's a superhero show. And jumping into a nine-episode series didn't seem to strike her fancy. But I was trying to say it's very relevant. It's a good thing to watch today. Most definitely. And even if you are worried about like not fully understanding the show because you haven't read the graphic novel, it's not necessarily, I guess, necessary to read the graphic novel, but it definitely will add a lot to um, the story. And worst case, if you really want to, you can watch the um, Zack Snyder uh, Watchmen movie, which I genuinely love. 
a little bit different. Like they they do a lot of shot for shot sort of stuff, but the ending of the movie most uh, that was pretty polarizing. Comic obviously by Alan Moore initially, brilliant comic book writer. That was that was very polarizing though the the movie of course with the the by Zack Snyder actually who we're yeah. going to talk about later in this in this episode. But yeah, specifically, I, I find that a lot of people hate the movie because of the way it changed the way the the comic was written and that it actually mm-hmm. changed some of the what happens at the end but yeah i absolutely adore the movie but i can understand the ending because it, it like the it, it kind of misses the mark on what what the point is <laughs> which is a problem uh, a little which, bit. which is like a major problem but we're the, in a different to it we're in a little bit of a different position yeah. you haven't read the comic I haven't watched the movie. Yeah. So we have two pieces that we, t- we, can't, yeah, exactly. we can't even put the puzzle together. Yeah. I, like, I should maybe see the movie just so I have a different perspective. I mean, I just read the comic and then uh, watched the TV show. Big wonderful. fan of the show. What else um, have you been watching? The other show I've been watching is Sex Education. It's a Netflix original show. It's a British show. Long story short, it's just about a high school kid whose mother is a sex therapist. However, the kid has sexual issues, I guess is the best way to put it. He's, he's, he doesn't want to masturbate or have sex or anything like that. However, he goes to school, and there's a lot of people around that uh, in his high school that have like sex problems. And lo and behold, he actually is very good at giving sexual advice, uh, despite being a virgin and uh, someone that is you know, just not familiar with sex in general because he's heard his mom talk about it so much. Really great cast of characters. Asa Butterfield is the um, like uh, one of the main characters, along with Emma Mackey. Those would be the most, uh, I guess, notable actors. They're not in too too much. Emma Mackey looks like Margot Robbie. Like honestly, I, I got confused the first time I started watching. I was like, oh, Margot Robbie's British and also in high school. And it's like, never mind. This is a totally separate person. But really great show. And simply put, they just start a sex clinic at their school. Um, and he Wait, starts the, the, the students. Yeah, the students. So they're giving. <laughs> How does that work? So they're giving sexual advice and getting paid for it. Oh, Emma Mackey's character, uh, Maeve, she essentially becomes like the agent and sets people up with him, and they split the money. And it's really great, and it covers a lot of really great topics that I think a lot of like I know it's very hyper like sexual in a lot of things, but I think it's a really good thing for like even teenagers to watch to kind of. Is figure. that what it's designed for, or you think it's more designed for adults? I think it's both, Um, but it like talks a lot about sexuality. So like the main character's best friend is like a homosexual, like black man. And it's really cool how they kind of um, tackle that to a certain extent in in the sense that like, again, his parents are like kind of supportive, but you know, he has a wonderful father, but his father is more like scared for him because like not only is he black but he's also gay so now there's like two things that he has to worry about being discriminated against and they tackle a lot of cool issues so Brooklyn Nine-Nine yeah, yeah. situation sort yeah of. exactly um, and they just talk about a lot of different topics in terms of that and kind of again do it in a very masterful way where again it's not like shoving this preachy stuff down your throat it's just teaching you and I feel like I learn a lot about it at my age like I'm way past high school but Again, they talk about things like asexuality, pansexuality, bisexuality, etc. In a way that it's just actually informative. Like they're just making because it's a comedy. Yeah, it is a comedy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and yeah, like it's and it's like again, like very wholesome. And the characters are all very three dimensional. All the main characters that are in there, and even like these characters that you think start off as side characters that eventually kind of go in 
and they set up a lot of people that you think you're going to hate. And then, you know, you realize, oh, maybe like their at home life isn't the greatest. And that's kind of why they're acting this way or blah, 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 blah. And uh, talking about a lot of things like that. And it's a really great cast of characters. And honestly, like I find myself like laughing a bunch of times and like audibly saying like, oh, like in like cute moments or you know, vocally being like, oh man, that sucks. Like in these sad moments, it's really good. And it's really funny. And again, it's just very wholesome. There's something really nice about it that I just like watching. And I love seeing these kids kind of figuring themselves out while figuring life out in general. It's really well done. I I would highly recommend it. There's two seasons out right now. I am halfway through season two and it's still great. And it is coming back for a third season. Netflix has announced I don't remember if the second season came out this year, so it may be a little bit of a long wait. Ten episodes each. Cool. About an hour long each episode. Uh, really, really great. Yeah. D- do you have anything else to talk about? I've been watching Veep, actually. What a great show. It's really good. Did you, what a did great you watch show. the whole thing? Yeah, I finished it all. So quick background, Veep is about uh, the vice president of the United States, or a, like a fake vice president of the United States, because it's, it's fiction, obviously. It's uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus, who mm-hmm. is great, obviously from Seinfeld. Uh, and other things yeah it's the mom from upward onward yeah. which, which pixar is my pixar. dad's a pair of pants yes is onward <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's also a good movie i then i watched that at the beginning Sorry. of the pandemic as well you didn't like it that's fine what's wrong with it it's just whatever i cried you didn't cry no at the end no i didn't cry but yeah the veep is awesome it's really good it's really funny. It's great the whole time. I, d- I didn't necessarily like it in the beginning. I don't know if it's just because you have to get used to the characters right away. Because they are all total... Weirdos? They're all... Psych- awful people. Sociopaths, slightly. They're, they're some of the worst people on planet Earth, and it's it like adds to the whole thing that they're all in politics. Like yeah, They are well, partially running the country, and they are the worst people. It has some of the most offensive humor I have ever seen in a TV show where I'm like, I can't believe they did this. But it is so funny. It's pretty great. Yeah. I don't know what I said so far. Sorry. It's on HBO. Did I give that background? Yeah. Gary's kind of, you know, empathetic at least, but he's ridiculous. Yeah. He's a ridiculous human being. Yeah. Yeah. Buster from uh, Yeah. He just plays that character every time. What's, sorry, the the name of the actor is this guy? Tony. Tony Hill. Tony Hill. Good. Thank you. Thank goodness. He played a Joker in uh, Batman Ninja. He did? Yes. What's Batman Ninja? Sorry. It's an animated Batman movie. Oh, like that came movie. out already? Yeah. Was I watched it last year. No. It's pretty crap. <laughs> Wait, who made that, though? I don't know. Okay. Not important. Don't watch it. Don't waste your time. He played Joker? He played Joker. I guess I can see that kind of with his he voice. He didn't do a good job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's fair. I don't think he did. I don't want to say it like objectively, but I think that movie sucked. But yeah, no, Veep, definitely worth a watch. It's short, too. 30-minute episodes, 10 episodes a season. I think six seasons. It's high quality. Honestly, what does HBO make that's not good? That's my question. I tried watching um, The Righteous Gemstones. Couldn't get into it. Oh, was it bad? I did not like it. I was like Righteous, five episodes in. Sorry, Righteous Gemstones remind With me. With John Goodman, uh, Danny McBride, right, Danny Adam McBride Devine. Yeah. I, I saw that, and I was like, oh, my God. This show is like— It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I love Danny McBride. I love his like sense of humor. And John Goodman's um, awesome. John Goodman's fantastic. He has yeah. so much range. And then Adam Devine, I really like uh, ever since I started like watched Workaholics back in the day. And no, it's not. It's not. Oh, great. I really did not like it. Yeah. I just kept on pushing forward, and then I think I talked to you about it. I was like, I'm just not really liking it. <laughs> and then you told me, like— well, why are you wasting your time? I was like, you're right. Yeah, there's so much other good content to yeah. watch. Yeah. This so is the problem. This is a genuine problem now. 
is there's so much content that's like, why would you watch something like, as we always use it as an example, and not to rip on the show, but Arrow from the from the CW. Yeah. Like, not that Arrow is a bad show, and I think it's, it's ended, right? It has. Is it ended? Yes. So we can't ruin the ratings because so many people are watching the show. Clearly, exactly. <laughs> this first episode of the show, but yeah, Arrow is a, like a, obviously about Green Arrow. Uh, it's on the CW, but it's just it seemed like we watched the first three seasons, four seasons. We three both and not, a half. not together, but separately. We don't see each other outside the show, of course. Exactly. Um, but when when we when we watched it, or at least when I watched it, I was like, "Wow, this is picking up." This, the third season I was like, "This is the best." Uh, finale. No, it was season two, wasn't it? I don't know. You always correct with, me on with this. Deathstroke? And, I, and I'm not sure. Yeah. I, thought th- I thought it was season three. Anyways. No, nah, season two. And then after that, it just takes a dive. And, and, and in a weird way. And, I, and then I was like, why am I watching? There's shows like, I don't know, Game of Thrones, The Leftovers that are airing simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Why am I wasting my time? It's not that it's a bad show, but it's not a it's good, not good show. It's that's not good. That's it's the not issue. Worth your time. And I, I, I find that we've find ourselves in the situation a lot so righteous gemstones is a good example but then there's always this the diamonds in the rough you start watching it you don't like it initially and then it's amazing after it's hard to know yeah but it didn't hook me in five episodes you know five, five hours oh, okay no that's not you know right. what i mean and then maybe done. maybe that's just me yeah but it just and again like it seemed like a show made for me i love every ultimate first world problems conversation here probably <laughs> yeah okay man <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I hate paying for my uh, HBO subscription to watch a crappy show. Yeah, we played. We pay for Crave here in Canada. It's okay. I like it. Yeah, it's expensive though. Twenty bucks. How much is HBO Max? You know. I don't know. We're not experts on the American streaming yeah. services. Anyways. I feel like it's probably around the same price, but then you get like the. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a moment because we're going to talk about HBO Max shortly. Cool. You have another, you have a third uh, show you've been watching. Uh, uh, movie you've been watching? It's, it's a movie, actually. It's actually Hamilton. Oh, actually, we'll get into that then. Yeah, we'll move on to the news. Yeah, wonderful. Again. Number one, the recording of the adored stage musical Hamilton was launched this past Friday, July third, exclusively on Disney Plus. As reported by the website The Verge, the full rights to Hamilton were purchased by Disney for seventy-five million dollars in early twenty twenty. Disney had initially planned to release the stage play in theaters in October of 2021, but since then, with all that has happened with COVID-19, plans have since changed. Hamilton tells the story of famed founding father of the United States, Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, and it's, it's it true. is a fantastic play. Yeah, which, I mean, I don't know if we really need to say this, has been out since like 2016, 2015. 2015, I believe it was. Yeah, like it's Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote it and... For Moana, and stars in it in Moana. Yeah, yeah, he wrote Moana, which is arguably uh, one of the best like Disney soundtracks of recent memory. Yeah, yeah, he wrote. He also wrote the Cantina uh, song in the new Force Awakens. Oh, the new pre uh, sequel trilogy. We'll get to it. <laughs> not in this, not in this episode necessarily. Well, I don't know. We might force it in, but um, but yeah, no, it's great. I, I can't stress enough. I just actually finished it. We're recording this actually on July 4th, which is Independence Day. What great timing. Uh, I agree. That's awesome timing. Obviously, they did that on purpose. It's not like, oh, I just thought of this coincidence. But but yeah, no, it's great timing. It's fantastic in almost every way. And the the one thing that I wanted to point out right, right off the hop is that the one thing I was worried about going into watching a recording of a stage play 
was that it's a recording with a camera of a stage play. 100%. I was very worried that it was going to lose the magic that is in going to see live plays. Uh, to be fair, I've only seen one musical live that I can think of, and it was uh, in New York. You actually came with me. Uh, that was independently. the only one you've seen. Yeah, live. No way. I, uh, I mean, not, I've seen things at, at like River Run Center and stuff like that, like basic musicals. That was a Canadian small town reference. Um, but yeah, and I've I've never like seen a musical uh, live up until what a year ago. Wow. Okay. Um, and it was uh, the Book of Mormon. By Matt Stone and Trey Parker. It's really good. It's hilarious. It's fantastic. It wasn't Great the original music. cast, obviously. Yeah, unfortunately. Aware of the Broadway scene, I suppose, but. Um, but yeah, so this was technically like the second play, stage play I, I I've watched, and it was at home, and I was worried. I was I thought, will I enjoy this? And very quickly, within the first two minutes, I knew for a fact I was going to have a good time. The music is fantastic. Yeah. It's stellar. I finished it last night and pretty much immediately after thought about not rewatching it, but listening to the soundtrack. I woke up this morning, put it on while I was showering, put it on on my way to work, put it on on my way home from work, put it's it like on my way kid. here. <laughs> You're really Honestly. And all in. I'm all in, baby. I'm all in. And it was, it's just stellar. And it's a very good history lesson on something that I have very little knowledge on. I, I'm not too familiar with American history, honestly. Yeah, I started looking up certain aspects. Again, we're not American. We're clearly Canadian. So mm-hmm. yeah, our, yeah. our, our I don't know, perspective on this is slightly different. But yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. I can't, I feel like, I don't know, it, it's a little bit jarring initially that it's, it's filmed. But the filming is so well done. And the sound is really good. If you've got a good sound system, we're pretty good or big tech advocates, I guess, because we've worked in like the tech industry in some capacity selling mm-hmm. tech for a little while. And it's in Dolby Atmos. So if you have an Atmos set up at home, you can actually listen to it uh, in Dolby Atmos. The one piece that also mentioned part of this news uh, that I just read out there was the, the fact that it was supposed to launch on October 2021, um, which makes sense, I would argue, just because you want to really capitalize on the ticket sales for the actual theater production. So uh, I guess they did this because of COVID-19. Definitely. They're just like expediting the process because of that. I think it was Bob Iger that was quoted as saying that thank you to Manuel Miranda and the, and the uh, director and, and crew and cast for getting this out as quickly as they could so that we can capitalize on the, the concept that everyone's kind of at, at home. Mm-hmm. And it's Independence Day. And so there's a benefit there for sure. Definitely. Definitely. It, um, but yeah, honestly, it tells a very good history lesson, something that Again, I have very little knowledge about it. You're just preaching on these lessons about getting educated at home. Honestly. Sex education. I've learned more in the past week than I did in my 12 years of elementary school and high school. Really? That's not good. You're not saying very great things about the Canadian school system. I'm going to message my teachers. Send them them Hamilton. (laughs) Yeah, just Hamilton. A link to Hamilton on Disney+. To every history teacher I've ever had. Yeah. This is, um, this is what you should have been teaching. Yes. What, like, that's actually something to say, though, for, for sure. We learned a lot, but how fast were they talking and how com- comprehensive was that? Uh, to me, I, and I know you have a different perspective on this because you, like, your girlfriend watched it as well, and there was, mm-hmm. there was some maybe issues understanding exactly what they were saying, but being able to broad strokes understand what they're saying when they're 
they're essentially wrapping the whole film. Yes. Like, sorry, the whole theater theatrical production, and it's it's I don't know, it's cohesive. Again, this is not maybe news because if if you've watched the thousand dollar ticket price play in the in an actual theater when it was out, and when you could go to actual theaters, I mean, this is a legendary play on its own. Ticket sale price, I guess, would just represent how famous the play is, but. I, I'm surprised on how well I was able to understand exactly what was going on, considering I don't really know that much about American history. And it was giving me all the information that I feel like it was necessary through song, almost the entire thing. There's almost a, not a moment when there is not something said in verse. Exactly. There, yeah, I, you can count it on one hand, maybe. There's <laughs> not many. Um, yeah. And realistically, there's one moment of real silence and it's the one minute intermission in between it but there's always something going on in the background uh whether it be just a light little uh, noise or a full-blown song the range of all of these actors unbelievable is unbelievable unreal i i wasn't too familiar with many of these people of the play the only two that really i knew from like seeing is lin-manuel miranda as well as um uh, david diggs Oh, those uh, two. Those are the two I recognize. How great was Defeat Diggs? He's awesome. Yeah. So he's really good. Yeah, like he's he's fantastic. And I I knew ahead of time that he had a musical background. I didn't know that he was in here in this movie. What else in is this he play. in? Sorry, I'm not. Um, he uh, so most notably uh, Blind Spotting, which is one of my favorite ah, movies right. of the last year. Right. Um, and yeah, he has a couple like rap verses in that movie as well. So I knew that he was part like like he was a musician. Um, so like seeing him in this movie, I was like, oh, hey, I remember him. And he's also in the Snowpiercer show that just uh, started airing on yes, Netflix. That's where I recognize him from. Yeah. That's, that's right. Um, I, I haven't seen. Um, no, I don't, I don't want to watch it. Apparently it's like a procedural. I haven't seen show. that show, but I hadn't seen the movie. Yeah. Sorry. I, yeah, oh, the movie's great. Blind Spotting. Um, but yeah, Blind Spotting is, uh, yeah, f- absolutely fantastic. But yeah, he, he, he was stellar. And again, there is no weak member of that play. No, like, n- no, nobody. that was that must have been like they they cast that over periods of time and they took their time. It's and unbelievable. How insane is it that Lin Manuel Miranda wrote the entire thing? I don't understand. How long did it take him? That unbelievable. I, I want to know. There are more words in that play than there must be in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Harry Potter and the the Goblet of Fire. Harry Potter and all eight books or seven books. I don't think so. That's not true. But every I, Harry Potter book sure that, put together. That's not necessarily true. But yeah, no, it's no, it's great. The actresses were absolutely incredible too. Like the Amazing. Angelica, I don't know her name now. It's uh, Elise something. You look at her. Uh, the other person as well that was a big standout for me was uh, also Jonathan Groff. I was just about to say, um, the it, unbelievable. Yeah, he <laughs> he had some of the funniest uh, lines in the play. Even just the moment. He didn't even say it. He was just acting. It's just the movement. I'm sad. Boom. Uh, and then the lights. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, was a, that was a lighting moment. A shout um, out to the lighting team. It's Renee Elise Goldsberry. Yeah, she's she's fantastic. Yeah, like Jonathan Groff, he really stood out to me because he had a couple of solos in it. I didn't know he was in it. That was the other thing. And he's I watched two seasons of Mindhunter, and I was like, oh, is that he's where the he's main from? character. Oh, no way. I was, yeah. I was like, oh, I didn't know he was in it. I knew he could sing. I think he was in, was he in an episode of Glee or something? It was, there was another musical. I never watched Glee. There's another musical something that he was in. Uh, again, I'm... Oh, no, wait. Isn't he in Frozen, too? Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> uh, Whom st- does he play? Uh, you're going to have to look that up. I haven't seen Frozen. 
Oh my goodness! Yeah, I totally <laughs> forgot about that. I haven't seen Frozen or Frozen Two. I think he's in both. He's, you should watch Frozen Two. He's first. either Hermst Hermst Steyer or Hermstafryer or. Uh, Do you know Frozen Two is only Jimmy. a seventy-seven on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, I did. I did not know that. It's Frozen One's higher. Yeah. 89? Oh, he's Kristoff. Yeah, he's Kristoff. Sorry. Oh, my goodness. There you go. Yeah, Christoph. he's in both of them. Not Herm Steyer. My mistake. No way. Yeah, no, he's great. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. I but, love Kristoff. Like, what a the great crazy character. one for me was Mindhunter, because there's definitely no singing in Mindhunter. It's the exact opposite of a, of a funny musical. No, it's really good. The, like the moment he's like dancing to uh, Leslie Odom Jr., who's also amazing, mm-hmm. who plays um, Aaron Burr uh, in the play. Yes. Like that um, moment he's like dancing on the stool. He had most of the laughs. Definitely. It's really good. It's really good. Lizzie Odom Jr. is also... Aaron Burr, sir. Yeah. (laughs) The the My Shot song is just stuck in my head, I think. Honestly. It'll be stuck in my head indefinitely. It was stuck in my head just prior to starting this podcast, and now it's stuck in my head again. Thank you, Adrian, for discussing this with me. Hey, no worries. Honestly, that's what I'm here for, quite literally. Yeah, there there are a few... um, Again, it's it's... Two two and a half hours of just nonstop two music. Two hours and fifty minutes almost. So yeah, two hours and forty minutes. I I don't think anyone cares necessarily, but I was I took theater uh, at the University of Guelph. So theater. Was, yeah, so I was that was my major. I, I mostly dived into the idea of the technical aspects, so the lighting, the sound, the media type idea. So I'm always watching for things like that. Especially, I'm also watching especially for how they shot it, and it's just. The meticulous detail in the way they were shot, it was shot uh, across three different performances, uh, and then they pieced it together. Uh, oh, did like they? The way, yeah, the, kind of like the way they do stand-up specials. And, and again, the sound, it blows me away. I, again, tech, uh, tech fans here for sure, is to throw Dolby Atmos in, where you can hear the crowd specifically behind you, is quite a good idea. And it, I, you think that that wouldn't make any difference. The idea behind Dolby Atmos is 3D sound. It's object-oriented. You feel it with the height channel as well as 360. But uh, they actually did this with Jerry Seinfeld special on Netflix as well recently. And it really makes it... I don't know. It makes a massive difference, but it makes a difference. Attention to sound when you have that many lyrics is super important. It's really good. Yeah. Again, the set design alone is fantastic as well. The spinning, the spinning wheel, and yeah, how it's not a new thing certainly, but that's awesome. It's really good. Exactly, it's, just how they use it and the set. How do you choreograph it with the spinning wheel? That's the so we're talking about a spinning wheel like the, on the floor. The floor was spinning throughout the play. The dancing over the spinning. I've seen this in multiple theatrical productions, but I'm always confused. That choreography timing is is sometimes trouble. It's sometimes hard to hit your mark in general on a stage when it's not lit very well or whatever it is to choreograph dancing on a spinning wheel and not to like potentially step on the crack of where the spinning the wheel is spinning i don't know fall impressed. over and eat shit <laughs> yeah basically yeah and then then you just kind of laugh it off or even i i just thought about the moment there's like a mic drop at one point where jefferson jefferson drops a mic uh, mm-hmm. into uh the other jefferson's played by david diggs the other actor who catches the mic do you know the that's okay. Don't worry about no. it. No. Don't worry. <laughs> Anyways, he catches An- it. Anthony Ramos. I thought about that too. He, he drops the mic, and then it's a it's a blooper. But there's no bloopers in theater, as it always is, mm-hmm. and so you just have to play it off. That's how you know also three three performances. It looked perfect. Like there was this like almost not a piece out of place. It was uh, – yeah. It's so great. I feel like we could talk about Hamilton for Hours. another hour. Yeah, it's really it, good. And I, I wonder for – are we are we dancing the fine line here, Adrian, of TV and film? Because, because this is a theater production. It it's a movie. 
Yeah, on Disney Plus. Yes. Check it's it a out. Movie. Check it out now. 100%. I felt stressed out watching this in a way of how do these people not mess up? Yeah, no, that's the you thing. You know what I mean? I know it's three, but even three times, they probably crazy. very rarely messed up. Like the amount of rehearsal. I know it's like this is this is maybe we seem a little childish here because they're, they're, you know they're professionals. You're right. It's I, shocking. I don't know. It's, it's a totally different type of acting. Yeah. Again, um, you saw what was it? Book of Mormon. Yes. Great play. Fantastic. Fantastic. But there's a little bit of a different night and day scenario. I've seen quite a few like theatrical productions in my day because I uh, produced some of them in terms of like the the design for for sound and etc. But there's not like this. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. But yeah, if you have a Disney uh, Plus subscription and two hours and forty some odd minutes to spare, it's worth the it's worth the watch. Even if you, I think it's uh, like worth it. Just get the oh, there's no free trial anymore with Disney Plus. Isn't that taken away? I don't know. I think that was a news thing that I just omitted. I didn't put that into the, the thing here. But uh, yeah, there's no number two Disney trial. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Number two is Disney Plus. I think I believe they took away the trial just before Hamilton got released. That makes sense. $75 million, by the way. We didn't talk about that part. That's wild. That was the news in the beginning of the year. That was the 2020 news where they bought Disney bought Hamilton rights for, again, $75 million. It's, I could have bought that. I don't know if... Yeah. I, don't, I guess that's worth it, though. Again, based on how much that costs to go see, it was just celebrities, pretty much. People mm-hmm. who were rich. Anyway. Definitely. Um yeah, if you if you can't afford a Disney Plus subscription or just are unable to have access to it, listen to the soundtrack. If you have any sort of music subscription, it's on there. Do um, it. No, just just get the subscription. Seven dollars yeah. for just watching Hamilton. It's the price of a movie rental dig- digitally. Yeah, it's definitely worth it for seven dollars. Less than a movie ticket. And watch the Mandalorian you can't even go to the, while you're at it. You can't even uh, go to the movies. So spend that. Yeah, you can't even go to the movies. To a one-month subscription oh, I think you're saying Plus. you can't even go to the movies for $7, but you literally can't go to the movies. Yes. That's what you meant. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can't go to the theater either. So if you wanted to spend thousands of dollars to go to see Hamilton, you couldn't do that. I miss the movies. I wonder if I would go to see Hamilton for $1,000. I said that celebrities only only buy in, but that's not really true. I mean, I would not pay $1,000 because I didn't know about, like I didn't know the quality of the play. I, I'm not going to spend well, $1,000 you, for anything. Can you get the hype factor? That people were hyping this this play up for I got it, but again, as much as I love musicals, and like I'm not a huge musical fan. I like Disney musicals. I, La La Land's one of my favorite movies. I'm not super huge into it, so I would never drop a thousand bucks. Even when we watched the Book of Mormon, what it was hundred dollar tickets. Yeah, wasn't bad. Yeah, no, we weren't we weren't in great seats, but yeah, uh, I'd have to check on the price point. We can maybe talk about that next episode, but the, for sure, it was it was a lot, if I recall. When we can go out, when we know we could go outside. I miss those days. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, cool. Hamilton, ten out of ten. ten out, yeah, no, no, it was, it was, I'm gonna was, listen to the soundtrack on my drive home. Don't wanna miss that shot, you know. All right, number two. What's next, Simon Edie, sir? <laughs> nice. <laughs> number two. The coronavirus continues to force Hollywood film studios to adjust their release dates for major feature films. As website Vulture reports, Christopher Nolan's highly anticipated new film Tenet has been pushed back. Is it pronounced Tenet? I'll get to that or in a moment. Tenet. Tenet has been pushed back yet again from its July 31st release date to a new August 12th release date. Tenet is also reportedly the major motion picture that many Hollywood studios are hoping will lead the charge for movie theaters to finally reopen. 
Other notable release date changes include the newest installment of the Fast series, moved from May 22nd of this year to April 2nd of 2021. John Krasinski's A Quiet Place 2, moved from March 2020 to September 4th, 2020. And Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch, moved from a July 2020 release date to a October 16th, 2021. Almost the entire slate of upcoming Marvel movies has moved back, with the Scarlett Johansson-led Black Widow film now opening on November 6th, 2020. What do you make of this, sir? Is it Tenet or Tenet? I knew you were going to do this. Is, is this going to be a thing every episode? It's been doing this to me. I mean, we don't talk outside of the show, but no. while, while we've been planning the show, every time, uh, it's Tenet. Okay, Tenet. So, <laughs> um, right. Um, I mean, it, it sucks. Again, I, as someone that quite literally went to the movies nearly every single week, um, it's been really tough not having the movie theater open. I know there's way more important things to worry about, etc. But just on a personal level, I, I really love the movie. It's uh, like the, just the theater, like the movie theater experience. I think it was a really great excuse for me and you to see each other constantly, even though we never talked. Um, yeah, of we just course. Kinda, we just saw each other. In the movie theater and sat on the other side. Exactly. Of course. It was just a really nice excuse. And I just I just liked getting out of my house sometimes and just having an excuse to go and watch something comfortably. The popcorn experience, maybe order a nice hot dog, some french fries. Yeah, those Cineplex uh, meal deals, you might write. The, the, scene, the scene deals, Dude, the Cineplex. Are we sponsored by Cineplex? I, I wish. Mean, <laughs> jump, in, jump in now. Yeah, are you scared for that? Like that's that's yes. another conversation altogether. Are we gonna not be able to go to the theater? Well, we will. Like I'm sure there'll be like miniature landmark cinemas. And but they, would they, wouldn't they go out of business first? Possibly. I don't want to jinx it. Don't go to business theaters, please. We need you. We need you. And I'm excited for Tenet, but again, we're waiting for for a while now. Yes. Um. Yeah, it's been uh, pushed back to, uh, a few times, and it's a movie I'm like pretty excited for i'm i'm a pretty big christopher nolan fan you know i like pretty much every movie i've seen by him to varying degrees probably my favorite is interstellar by him which yeah. i think is absolutely phenomenal i think it's one of the greatest movies i've ever seen really uh, matthew mcconaughey being fantastic in it and in everything but it it really sucks not having the ability to just go somewhere in general but go somewhere that i was so used to going to and i've definitely watched a lot less movies because of it because, oh, for sure. Because at well, there's home, also been less movies released. Exactly, there have released on streaming, but I feel like the hype factor is just not there. It's gone. Yeah, it's missing. Like even, well, Onward was in the very beginning. Like Onward, I would have gone to see Onward in theater. Definitely, but me I didn't too. get to go because of the coronavirus. That was one of the first movies that were pushed back and then uh, released on home video. Another movie that I watched, oddly enough, uh, Damon Lindelof was one of the writers on it. Is The Hunt? Yeah. Um, which I don't like. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Not really. My, I felt like uh, tonally it was a little bit off, but I remember. It's I weird though because he's got such a good track record. He does. He wrote it though. Yeah, he didn't direct it. Not everything. Or... Well, he didn't direct Watchmen either. That's true. But I, I don't know. Maybe his thing is TV shows. Yeah. Because I think he did also Prometheus. He wrote Prometheus, if I recall. Which Ridley I like. Scott, Ridley Scott, I think, directed it. Yeah. I don't recall. If I Possibly. Recall. Maybe. But anyways, yeah. No, you like Prometheus? Yeah, I really oh, like okay. Prometheus. Cool. It's a nice slow burn. The hunt is just—I feel like it's a jumbled mess. It doesn't like—I feel like uh, they must have cut a bunch of stuff out or reorganized it. it just maybe because it was delayed. That was yeah. the movie that was delayed a full year. It was about six to eight months. It was because there was this, uh, the shooting yeah, um, in the, the states. Time. 
And the movie is essentially about a bunch of uh, Republicans being kidnapped by rich liberals and murdered, like hunted. Uh, And that's kind of where it starts and it kind of goes off the rocker. And I feel like tonally it's inconsistent. Like sometimes it feels like it's being a little bit campy and fun. And then other times it's taking itself too seriously. And I don't know. It just wasn't really great in my opinion. I, I would never watch it again. And I, Maybe there it also played a factor that I paid twenty five dollars for the rental. Oh, was, you paid for the full thing. Yeah, no, I didn't buy it. It was at home premiere for twenty five bucks. That like, they've been doing that. They yeah. did that with uh, King of Staten Island, like the Judd Apatow movie. I don't want to pay twenty five dollars. I'm not going to, but I want to watch. How it. does that make sense though? We buy a movie ticket for thirteen dollars and we pay twenty five dollars for an at home rental. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. But the way I look at it is that I watched it with two people, so it made sense. Oh, okay. Like <laughs> that's fair, but. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's what uh, that must be their reasoning. Exactly. I don't agree with that. I'm not doing it. I, I'm that's not fair. buying in. I, I wait for it to be a rental. Yeah, like for I haven't five dollars. Um, I for haven't $6. since the hunt really ruined it for me. I think that was one of the. Well, that's the thing too. I was like, I'm not going to do this, this again. And you don't even know how good it is. Then you watch it, and it's not good. Yeah, it's pretty blah. Yeah. Okay. That's disappointing. In terms yeah. of uh, Tenant, um, yeah, it's called Tenant. Just yep. so you're aware. Tenant. Okay. Good. Um, Tenet just like every other Christopher Nolan movie is really cryptic that trailer was extremely cryptic I have no idea what it's about and I'm really excited for that aspect of it time every time well he's been doing time in various aspects and everything Inception's kind of time based as well so is Interstellar yes obviously because it's all about timing to get like in, in Inception as an example to get back in time to make sure you're not stuck in that netherworld time with Inception in mind they actually had, I don't know if you saw this as well as a headline, but they had Inception planned for uh, a date just before Tenet. So they were going to air it beforehand, and they actually moved that as well. So they were going to do like an Inception re-release because it's the 10th anniversary of Inception. So they were going to do that, oh. but they had to move it again. So that was actually moved to the old date for Tenet of July 31st. So That's interesting. I would go see that potentially. The other thing that's really cool about that is that they're going to put Dune, a Dune footage, in the beginning of the Is inception. it Dune or is it June? No comment. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, that's... That, yeah, are you excited for Dune as well? Yeah, it's uh, it's Denis Villeneuve. Um. <laughs> very good. Very, very uh, good. Yeah, you made a rival. He's Canadian. Yeah, he is Canadian. Yeah. Um, yeah, he made a rival, which is fantastic. One best picture. Blade Runner 2049, which One is... One best picture. Yeah, Arrival won Best Picture. No, it didn't. Did it not? No, it got nominated for Best Picture. Mm. Well, when, wasn't that 20? I don't remember who won, though. <laughs> That's the only problem. You could check that if you want. But I know it didn't win. It definitely got uh, nominated. He hasn't won anything, really. It's been tragic, actually, because I think that Blade Runner is, it was amazing. His Best sound editing for Arrival. Yeah, yeah. It's a great film, but I think we both agree that we we love Blade Runner. Like his Blade Runner, uh, twenty forty nine is fantastic. It's a masterpiece. Yeah, and the shots are really good, which is the same. It's the same. This is where we go like a little bit inside baseball, I suppose. But I don't know who's who's listening to this in particular. If we've got people who just are fans of things or people who like film, but Roger Deakins was mm-hmm. the cinematographer on twenty forty nine, and he was also the cinematographer on uh, nineteen seventeen. We're really digressing here, but that movie was amazing. I agree. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Number three, according to a publication, The Hollywood Reporter, Michael Keaton is in talks to reprise his role as Batman in Andy Muschietti's upcoming Flash film. Many believe this Flash standalone movie starring Ezra Miller in the title role 
to be in some way an adaptation to the Flashpoint storyline from the DC Comics. Michael Keaton is arguably best known for his role as Batman in Tim Burton's 1989 Batman and the 1992 sequel Batman Returns. Reportedly, if Keaton is in fact tapped to don the cape and cowl once again, Warner Brothers has plans to make Keaton's Batman a sort of string puller within the DC Cinematic Universe, akin to what we've seen in Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury in the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far. Thoughts? On Doubt. This? Doubt on the Michael Keaton thing. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in it, but I just I have little to no faith in this uh, DC Cinematic Universe coming together properly. It's a jumbled mess and the idea that we've been seeing articles that possibly ben affleck is coming back to the idea of having these three batmans in three separate timelines and technically ben affleck's batman would be in michael keaton's timeline is it's so utterly confusing and disjointed that i have little i i just don't care i legitimately don't care and it's something that i feel like i should be excited about i think having another batman back one that has killed people um, intentionally, unlike Ben Affleck's Batman, who did not kill people intentionally, would be nice. It would be a nice kind of change of pace, and it's it's cool. Like It would be cool to have a a central character that connects all of these movies that, that's really pushing this universe forward, but I feel like it's too little too late at this point. Too just... little too late for the DCEU, you mean? Correct. I, I think that uh, I agree with you, but the, I agree with you in a different way. I don't know about too little, too late, but Michael Keaton, as you just said, bringing them to get, bringing things together would be incredible. Is this going to fail, and are we going to waste this opportunity? That's my biggest concern. Yes, that's the problem. And so, they need somebody else at the helm. They need Zack a Kevin Snyder. Feige. Bring him back, baby. Zack Snyder. But people didn't like Zack Snyder. Like they didn't like Batman vs Superman. They just didn't like it. We enjoyed the movie. We like Batman vs Superman. I know now we've just lost the one viewer we previously had. I'm sorry goodbye we, we love you and stay safe out there but we love batman vs superman we, we really like it mm-hmm. and we think that it was well built uh, overall and in a way that's not a marvel movie it's not the marvel formula and that's something we've we said a million times on on our old pa- podcasts that we like batman vs superman but batman vs superman is not a marvel formula movie and that's why wonder woman is so popular because it's following that formula popular with critics i should say because mm-hmm. i mean Rotten tomatoes does not like Batman versus Superman very much um, but yeah my concern is they're going to bring Michael Keaton into the fold and then we won't see him in Batman Forever oh sorry Batman Forever Batman Beyond Batman Forever what the hell am I talking about Batman uh, <laughs> the Rob Bat Batman Bat Batman no Batman Beyond oh you think that they're going to do a Batman, Batman Beyond, Beyond would be actually amazing that's what everyone thought they wanted Michael Keaton back into this role for Batman Beyond specifically and so to bring him back for a Flashpoint storyline is awesome it's quite neat but then are we going to lose him as this nick fury role because they just do a bad job or they can't pull things together like they're you're they're supposed to and that's the issue with this for me is i really want this to succeed but will it and that's the problem i i'm gonna say it won't oh man and have some faith. B... andy muschetti's pretty good it it yeah, chapter I really, two. I really love uh, it and it chapter two. <laughs> both um, I like I like both of them quite a bit. I I know uh, I remember there being talks that he wanted to re-edit those movies and kind of make it a mini series together. 
I remember reading about that many uh, a while ago, which I would have been down to watch. But both of those movies are really good. And like again, I, I really I think it is the, the first one more so than the second one. Although the second one's still really great, is one of like the best horror movies in recent memory that I just had a blast with while being scared, like absolutely terrified with. That was the perfect balance of comedy and horror. And I think not necessarily that Flashpoint's a horror storyline by any stretch, but I feel like he can bring in some good comedic elements and bring in these serious tones and balance them together properly. But again, it's if we have no one at the helm and you know none of these movies are connected in any way, arguably you can make the argument that Flashpoint is like a reset. You can just be like, hey, everything that happened before is like reset. Didn't It happened, but not in this timeline anymore. It'd be interesting. Like you can use that as an argument, but again, there's nobody at the helm. I just don't imagine this is going to go anywhere. But is, that's is the, the Wonder Woman. Though, that, like that's how they get out of this mess. Yeah. If they can do Flashpoint, they need somebody to be at the helm, though, to, in order to actually like write the ship. Because if they did that, Flashpoint. For those of you who don't know, I don't know if we really dived into it too much here. The idea is multiple timelines. If you created multiple timelines, then those terrible timelines that people didn't like, you can write that idea. And then you have Michael Keaton as the Nick Fury restarting this universe again. Bring Jason Momoa's Batman back. Maybe, uh, maybe Jason put... Momoa's Aquaman. Sorry. Did I say Batman? Yeah. I'm a fool. Sorry. Aquaman back. Uh, and, uh, and of course, like you can even use Robert Pattinson potentially. That probably won't happen. But Wonder Woman for sure. That's already coming out. 1984 has gotten pushed back 15 times as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really exciting too. I didn't put that into the... the Super line. cool art style. Yeah, it's kind the of neat. poster. Uh, the part, it reminds me of Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. And then another interesting time point to, to land in, like the 1980s. Yeah. Like, they did World War One. There aren't honestly that many World War One movies. So that was really cool that they did that, except for 1917. I was just about now, to say. But, but yeah. at the time, there, or in general, there's more World War Two movies than World War One movies, I'd say. And so that's a really cool time frame to jump into with Wonder Woman. is a good idea. And that, the 80s are kind of a neat... Uh, spot to jump into as opposed to going to World War Two or something. Mm-hmm. Like this is not Call of Duty, um, but yeah. A- anyway, so that's that's exciting. But we'll see what happens. It's hard yeah. to know what's going to happen. And the idea is somebody at the helm would be able to write the ship. I have little faith, but I, I'd love Great. to be wrong. Awesome. All right, number four. Variety reports that filmmaker Joss Whedon has been accused of abusive and unprofessional behavior on the set of the 2017 movie Justice League by cyborg actor Ray Fisher. Ray Fisher tweeted out that, quote, Joss Whedon's onset treatment of the cast and crew of Justice League was gross, abusive, unprofessional, and completely unacceptable. He was enabled in many ways by Jeff Johns and John Berg, unquote. Johns and Berg were both producers on Justice League and have since resigned from their positions as head of the DC Cinematic Universe. Berg responded to Variety's request for comment to say that it is categorically untrue that we enabled any unprofessional behavior. So that's an interesting one. Some things to unpack there for sure. And there's been more, a little bit more that's come out uh, since I wrote this uh, news piece here. Um, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, it's an interesting thing. Obviously, uh, accusations are one thing and you got to kind of take things uh, and really just wait until you hear the full story. Um, it is an interesting thing. I mean, this isn't the first time Joss Whedon has been accused of like being just not a good person. I know back in 2017 as well, there's those like accusations of him not like, you know, him being a self-proclaimed feminist, but his wife or his ex-wife coming out and saying that, no, he's actually a piece of shit, etc. So again, it's really hard to determine whether or not that's true. But again, like what does Ray Fisher have to gain by saying this stuff? If anything, it, you know, makes him look worse or... Um, 
someone that people may not want to hire because he's more than willing to come out and say, hey, this director sucked uh, sort of thing. It kind of reminds me of um, uh, almost like the Josh Trank uh, situation where he was like apparently a big like dick on set and he like came out and just was being an asshole. It's, it's almost like a reversal um, where he was the one that kind of attacked um, the guy from Whiplash, the main actor. Miles... Miles, Teller. Miles Teller, where he like came out and attacked Miles Teller and being like, Miles Teller was a piece of crap on set, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. It's almost like a reversal, and that didn't really work out too well for Josh, uh, Josh, Josh Trank um, for quite a while. He just released his, I guess, Capone movie, which I don't think was reviewed all that well. I didn't watch it. looks cool. It's Tom Hardy. Maybe I'll watch it. But yeah, I just there's no real benefit for someone coming out and saying these things about Maybe. anyone. Um, the weird the thing about time, it, though, is like the... The fact that he, like, he initially said at Comic-Con that he was really excited about Joss Whedon and he was the best man for the job. And then he he posted that first. Did you see that? Yeah, and he's like, uh, everything I said here is untrue or something. So he retracted a statement that he previously said and then posted a statement about what he really believed. It's like, but why did you say it in the first place? Like, no one forced him to say it. It's a little strange, and there's not that much corroborating evidence to suggest that he's done this no definitely that's why that's i mean like you gotta thing. take it with a grain of salt um, it's, just, it's a little odd you know what it is that movie in general though and, and like we can say we talk about justice league and the problems with it all day of course there's a new justice league uh movie coming out like they're launching the snyder cut which is unbelievable on hbo max and that's when i was i was going to say this earlier when we talked about hbo max briefly but i'm hoping that we get to see it on hopefully crave uh, that's my guess. In Canada, crave. I'm hoping that we get to see. Or I'll rent it. I'll buy it. Yeah, I'll I'll buy it. Like specifically, I'll buy, I probably won't rent it again because you can buy it for twenty five dollars. I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense. iTunes, Apple, please. Anyways, but regardless, yeah, I don't know about about the accusations specifically. It's just, I don't know. It's just confusing to me. Yeah, I, I yeah, it's a tough situation. Like I, I have no real opinion. If he was that kind of person on set, lame. Like, come on, man. But again, who knows? The the one thing about that movie that was problematic, and this is why there's a Snyder Cut coming out anyway, is because... It sucked. It, well, it sucked. <laughs> yeah, but it sucked. It's like a tale of two directors, and that's kind of reported on a million times. Mm-hmm. But Joss Whedon came in after Snyder left the movie, and then Joss Whedon and Snyder are not similar. They're like opposite they, Not style people. I'm talking about their style. Director. Directing yeah. style. What? Yeah. Well, who thought this was great? A great idea to bring in. I don't know. That's that's the weirdest thing about that movie is that you brought in a, a guy who who directed Avengers, but he the Avengers is not like Batman versus Superman or Man of Steel. So there was there's some other other small like snippet of stories that are like anonymous sources. They're kind of in the in the wind. People were saying that he was changing some. He was he was like in the background saying that Zack Snyder's vision wasn't good and stuff like that. But he's his own director, so he's making his own movie now. And you're asking him to go in and make Zack Snyder's movie? Like, he's not a ghostwriter. Yeah. I don't really understand this. This is a very unusual concept. But we'll see what happens in the future. Maybe next week we'll have another story that we'll, that we'll bring up specifically. Yeah. Maybe someone else will come out on the staff or whatever and say it. Or maybe we'll never hear anything about this again. But again, I mean, like, I just hope he's not a bad person. Uh, like, I, I never want anyone to be crappy. No. Um, but again, yeah, like, if, if it is true, like, bummer. Like, damn. I guess. Yeah. Um, not that it's going to ruin any of his past work for me, but it's still just like, it would be nice to know that well, he's a good guy. Well, it depends what he does, if he does something worse. This is not that 
severe. The, the yeah. severity. If you're like this, yeah. Is if it's a, a, if it's like a Kevin Spacey situation, and now yeah, every time I watch uh, Baby, Baby Driver, I'm like, ah, oh, damn it, damn it, Baby Driver, such a good movie, still a good movie. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, let's move on. Number five. Hollywood News website Deadline reports that Ozark has been renewed for a final 14-episode season and will be released in two seven-episode parts. Ozark, starring Laura Linney and Jason Bateman, is a Netflix crime drama that follows the lives of an American family who continue to fall in deeper and deeper with a Mexican drug cartel. What do you think about this? I'm very excited. I can't wait. I love Ozark. I think Ozark's one of the best Netflix original shows. I think Jason Bateman is a phenomenal actor with unbelievable range. I think Laura Linney plays such an intriguing character that is so well-developed over the course of the first three seasons. And again, it's a show with a cast of children. I I can't, I I unfortunately can't think of the two kid actors' names. I guess they're not really kids, but the two characters that play, or the two people that play uh, Jonah and uh, Charlotte. I usually hate kid actors and they nail it. Again, Charlotte's, I, I guess, yeah. like a like a teenager, um, but Joan is pretty young, and I think they absolutely knock it out of the park. I think every character in that show is interesting. There's not a wasted minute in that show. Yeah, like it's incredibly even between tense. seasons. Like I, I feel like each season somehow gets a little better, or not it better, does. but stays the same quality, which is really neat. You talk about Jason Bateman as a range of an actor. He directs a huge chunk of the show. He does. He does. Um, Pretty much every season premiere, and I think, think every season finale. It's two and two for the first season. Yeah. It was two and two, I think, for the second season as well. So he did two in the beginning, two at the very end. I think he only did the first two at the very beginning of the third season. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. No, it's really interesting. Like, because I never ex- expected that when I went in. I saw his, he's playing somebody in a drama. Okay, interesting. was when I turned on Ozark to begin with. And then found out that he was, because in the title sequence it says that he directed it. Yeah. So it's neat. Yeah, it's a fantastic show, um, pretty much about money laundering for the cartel. And uh, one of my good friends, Peter, he actually just started watching it. And I think he's done the first season now. It just started like two days ago. And he messaged me. He was like, I can't put the show down. Like, it's so great. The acting is fantastic. And the writing just cuts out all the, like, bullshit. Um, yeah, there's no filler. There really isn't. Yeah, season three is absolutely stellar, and I, I, I like that they're going to end, and they know that they're going to end, and I hopefully on a high note with these final 14 episodes, but I really don't like that Netflix is doing this with a lot of their shows for their final season. It's like, oh, we're releasing the final season, but in two parts, which is essentially just two seasons that are shorter. We got it's, more episodes, though. We, we did, but it's we still— We only got 10 episodes left. Yeah. So now we have two, but even an extra you know, four. Who else did this? Breaking Bad. Yeah, Breaking so. Bad. I, I think AMC does this for a lot of their shows now, where they just do mid-season finales. Um, I mean, that's pretty much what The Walking Dead banks on. It's like, oh, let's tell a story up until the mid-season finale and kill off a character, and then do the same thing for the finale, etc. Walking Dead, good show um, or what? I haven't watched this latest season. I haven't either. I it's liked okay. it. I liked it. Um, it's I think it's it getting peaked. into Arrow territory. Yeah. I still like it. Like I'm gonna watch it once it goes on Netflix. But again, I uh, this past season was the first time where I was like, I'm just not gonna bother <laughs> um, until it, like I have it like on a streaming service uh, that's easily accessible. That's really the only thing. I kind of wish it just all came out at once, where I could just binge these next 14 episodes. But again, it's okay. Like I'm fine with that. BoJack Horseman did that with their last season as well, which uh, is fantastic. But again, I just I like having it all at once. Cool. Um, I can't wait for more. Good stuff. Number six. 
As announced at Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference, Apple is bringing an adaptation of author Isaac Asimov's The Foundation to Apple TV+. According to website publication Deadline, Josh Friedman, best known for show-running Terminator The Sarah Connor Chronicles and David S. Goyer, the screenwriter for The Dark Knight, were tapped as showrunners and executive producers for this popular sci-fi property. As Apple describes it, Foundation chronicles a band of exiles on their monumental journey to save humanity and rebuild civilization amid the fall of the Galactic Empire. Foundation will star Jared Harris of HBO's Chernobyl, Lee Pace of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, and relative industry newcomer Lou Lobel when it launches in 2021. Thoughts on this at all? Not many, honestly. I don't, I'm not familiar with the foundation. I think the like story um, like that you read out the Chronicles of Band of Exiles, etc. It kind of reminds me of the show, like The 100, which is uh, another CW show. Uh, not exactly, but that show kind of sucks. Um, and I don't know. It seems interesting. I never watched Termin- Terminator the Sarah Cron- Connor Chronicles, so I don't really know the quality of that show. But again, Dark Knight's fantastic, and David S. is involved. I'm sure the writing will be great. It's something that I may give it give a chance. Too. The, the neat thing about the foundation, like Asimov's work, uh, is that it was said that Star Wars was influenced by the foundation. So, like, it goes back pretty far. It's a it's a pretty big influence for the, those sci-fi properties, Star Wars included, as well as others. I'm excited for it. I want Apple TV Plus to have more wins. I just find that some of their shows are mediocre, and that's kind of... I don't know, kind of sad because they've got so much money. And so I, I feel like they can do something with this. The cast is awesome. So obviously they put the money into that. Will it be as good as, I don't know. Uh, the Expanse on Amazon, which I haven't watched, but apparently it's phenomenal. Is that really good? Yeah, apparently it's phenomenal, which I really want to watch. That's on my uh, to-watch list. I was going to say the, what's the name of the Immigrant Stories show on apple tv it's, it's oh a, by uh camille nanjiani right yeah 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 That's i don't know amazing it's 100 percent around tomatoes like the morning show uh is also quite good too but it, it's all of these shows started to kind of rocky reviews and that was the issue like for all mankind as an example started off with rocky reviews c as an example yeah so i remember uh watching the trailer for c and thinking that my goodness, this show looks like crap. I don't know why. I, I don't know. There's, it just seems so uninteresting, so like unoriginal. Oh, there's apocalypse where everyone's blind, but now there's a person that can see. How the hell do all the blind people know this person can see? Why are they hunting this person that can? How do they know they're blind? Isn't that what the do premise? You mean? Have you watched Daredevil? What do you just grow an imagination? Eh, come on, come they, on, buddy. They know that this kid can see, so they want to tear his eyes out. What's the premise? I don't know. Look, it, you I, didn't even watch it. How no. would you know? <laughs> it didn't. It did not interest me. Whatsoever. I don't think that was the premise. I, I think it was the other issues with the writing. I think maybe because it, it wasn't that well regarded, but it's not badly regarded. I think it's like I don't know, fifty percent Rotten Tomatoes. It's <laughs> not good. Anyways, it's called Little America. It took me that long to find that, but uh, Little America is really like. Did you watch anything for? Little America, did you watch any of the episodes? No. It's an anthology series. And they go I, into like, independent, and it's only 30-minute episodes. So like sometimes I'll just throw it on just occasionally because it's so short, and it's going to wrap up the story. H1, honestly, has been really good. So I, I think it's it's worth a, a watch. But anyways, my point was, hopefully the foundation can be as high quality as that show because I don't feel as though they're hitting the quality that you'd think we would get out of an Apple-funded show. Yeah, uh, hopefully. 
Yeah, I, like I again, I don't want anyone to ever fail. So fingers crossed that it turns out well, and I guess we'll just wait and see. Um, but again, by that point, my Apple TV subscription will lapse. Will I restart it for this show? Probably not. Gotcha. Number seven. Website Variety reports that HBO's Westworld Joe Runners Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan will be developing a fall TV series for Amazon Prime based on Bethesda Game Studios' popular video game series of the same name. Nolan and Joy will be working with Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 creative director Todd Howard in some capacity in order to accurately adapt the source material. From publication Variety, Nolan and Joy were quoted to say that Fallout is one of the greatest game series of all time. Each chapter of this insanely imaginative story has cost us countless hours we could have spent with family and friends. <laughs> so we're incredibly excited <laughs> to partner... What a ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> so we're... We're incredibly excited to partner with Todd Howard and the rest of the brilliant lunatics at Bethesda to bring this massive, subversive, and darkly funny universe to life with Amazon Studios. What are your thoughts, Adrian? If it wasn't for having Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan attached to this, you wouldn't be interested. I in would it. not be interested at all. Yeah, I don't care. I don't. So okay, so we mentioned at the top that we had a we had a show before. We talked about PlayStation. Mm-hmm. We talked about video games specifically. We talked about TV show, movies, pretty much everything. We, we're, we're too much anime to video games to, to I don't know, uh, like some artsy film like The Artist. The Apple, uh, the Apple Conference. The Apple Conference. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that. We did an Apple Conference ep- episode. So we try to keep things focused. But in this case, we're, we're diving into both here. We both played Fallout 4. Uh, at least I played it more than you did. But you yeah, I played it for like 5-10 hours. Talks. Uh, I don't like Fallout because I think it's extremely bleak. But I, I agree with him when he says it's darkly funny. And that's what I'm excited for is that idea of Pip-Boy and the 1950s culture and all of the tech from that era. Not all of it. Some of it's modern tech. Combining the two together is what makes that so great. My favorite thing about Fallout was that idea of uh, the test pattern coming up, or they have uh, like with the standby. You know what I'm talking about? Please stand by. Yeah. Or, or all of the old monitors, or Pip Boy, or if you've watched, did you? I don't know if you watched them, but in the beginning, before Fallout Four came out, they had all of these YouTube promotional uh, videos to really hype up the the skill trees because it's an RPG, it's a role playing game. Yep. The way they do that, the style in which they did it, was what really fascinated me, and that's what drew me, drew me into it. But when I get into that bleak world, I suddenly didn't like it anymore because I'm I'm playing when I I'm I'm re- trying to relax. I'm jumping into like this nuclear holocaust world, and I'm not exactly enjoying myself necessarily. And so I'm hoping they really just dive into the darkly funny part and go into their typical storytelling. They're particularly good at. A storytelling with Westworld. I mean, we both love Westworld. Yeah, I still got to watch season three. Uh, I hope that yeah. Amazon has as great of a budget and the, the, the they give them enough resources uh, as HBO has. That's yeah, I yeah. I uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I feel like Amazon in general is trying to really push this uh, TV uh, movie space alongside their like gaming space. Oddly enough, yeah, with Twitch. Um, yeah, with Twitch as an example, yeah, um, streaming service. Again, like it, it, I again, I don't want anything to fail. I hope it's really good, but if it, I, I don't know. I like even with Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan attached. Like, do I want to watch this? It's, it, like, do but, I care? But uh, for another is the setting, so it's not okay. So the cool thing about it is, like, for instance, do we really want to see another zombie property? Uh, this is going to be a, a video game reference, actually. Yeah. Last of Us is phenomenal. 
but I don't want to play a zombie in a zombie world anymore. I don't want to watch another zombie thing. If they launch another zombie movie, I don't really care unless you do something new with it because the setting is Fallout. But what do they do with the characters and what are they able to wind with a story? And the way that Jonathan Nolan typically does a linear stories. Remember, Jonathan Nolan is the brother to Christopher Nolan. He has written Inception. He wrote Memento. These stories that are very non-linear and work in such a way that they twist and turn in really fascinating ways. So with a budget like Amazon has, as you mentioned, Amazon's been pretty good with movies and TV. I would say they're better with movies, to be honest. I think they started in that space first. I don't really think that a lot of their TV shows are phenomenal. So some of them are, I should say. Like Fleabag's amazing. I think Fleabag is uh, one of the like greatest shows I've watched in recent memory. Yeah. Um, no, definitely. there's a lot of good shows, but I feel like, I don't know. I think Netflix is still dominating in the streaming space. 100%. So I'm hoping that they, cause, or HBO. Netflix and HBO are like head-to-head. Like, but Netflix is creating so much content and not all of it's good, but there's like some, like some of it's good and it's just like beating out HBO's content and like the Emmys is an example, but HBO has like got Chernobyl and Watchmen and the leftovers and Game of Thrones, Westworld. It's crazy. Yeah. Keep coming out with better and better shows. It seems pretty good. Definitely. I'll watch it. I'll give it a chance, but we'll see. Yeah. I think what my point was, that was a very long winded explanation. It's the setting. But the story is what Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy make of it. Cool? Cool. Alrighty. Number eight. With the upcoming HBO Max release of the Snyder Cut for the Warner Brothers film Justice League in 2021, director David Iyer seems to be stoking the flames of the release of an Iyer cut for his 2016 DCEU film Suicide Squad. When asked recently by a fan on Twitter whether or not an Iyer cut exists, David Iyer responded that the, quote, cut definitely exists, You'll need to ask AT&T and HBO Max to let it see the sunlight, unquote. Thoughts on this? We're going back into the superhero space um, for a Like, it, it's interesting enough. I think at this point, though, with uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad, The Suicide Squad coming out, it would be a little bit redundant to go back and see Iris Cut. I wouldn't be against it. I'd, I'd be happy to watch it, and I think... Um, it would be incredibly easy to make a better movie than what we got with Suicide Squad. Um, so we both don't like Justice League. And we both right? don't like Suicide Squad. I hate Suicide Squad. It's it's an awful movie. I really don't like it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I actually, I'm okay with Justice League. I'm like, that was okay. But yeah. Suicide Squad is actually has plot holes and problems that, that, it, that I really dislike. And I know somebody's out there saying you like Batman vs. Superman though, but yes, I do. Because yeah. it, it is cohesive and it, it actually follows a vision. Suicide Squad is all over the place, and I don't know what story they're trying to tell at all. And the actors, I feel like they did an okay job, but I just don't understand why was Jared Leto in it. <laughs> well, that's a good re- good question. Or why did a guy who met uh, another five people and, and become a, a, a weird cohesive team and then say this is my family when he only met them about a day ago? Yeah, these questions are. Are, are problematic like I just feel like there's a lot of problems with this movie and I'm I am very curious to see what he has because if he has got something better I watched before Suicide Squad we both watched a trailer on our show actually on their first podcast and when we did so uh, we were blown away by the trailer yeah uh, it was amazing it's probably one of the best trailers of the Ever. last <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is actually amazing the movie is not good at all it's 
it's uh it's just in yeah it's incomprehensible it doesn't make sense it's not well done none of the characters are well developed other than i guess like margot robbie's harley quinn but even then i wasn't a huge fan of her up until like birds of prey where i was like okay now we're actually seeing her better developed you mean the harley quinn you're not a fan of exactly margot robbie's been amazing yeah yeah definitely um and yeah, it just it was just a mess. And from what I've read about what Iyer uh, wanted to do and uh, could do with it, it again, it could, you can't make this movie any worse. You literally cannot. So it's just like <laughs> you can't. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. No, I I honestly don't think you. I can't think of a way. Like I mean, you could if you really tried, but you'd have to try to make it worse. Um, and yeah, there was just so much more shot with Jared Leto's Joker, and as much as. Uh, Again, he's so underplayed in that movie. I, I would have liked to see more of it, especially when you hear all these ridiculous stories of Jared Leto sent rats in boxes to his step. <laughs> Real quick aside, in what job, if I went to my my work tomorrow and I brought in a dead rat in a box and I handed it to someone, I would be fired. Well, he got mailed. I think it, he got he dropped it off at. Margot, was it Margot Robbie? I don't know. I don't really room? care. It's just he's a Robbie's psychopath. Like oh, method, Adrian. Shut the hell up with that. Like that was that, like I don't know. Reading all those stories, and then you watch the movie, and he's in it for like four minutes. He's like, oh, he he did this all for that. Like how ridiculous is that? So I would like to see because I I remember watching that uh, initial trailer, the second trailer with his laugh at the end, and being like, oh, like what a cool laugh. Like, I'm excited to see this. Uh, joker character and apparently you know like uh he wasn't supposed to be totally gangster throughout it there's supposed to be a like a like a shift in his in his personality to more of that like crazy uh joker i don't know it'd be cool to see but again if it doesn't ever come out i don't really care you know what i mean yeah that's uh, fair like david Iyer is pretty I, I i was pretty impressed with end of watch and so that was the movie that i'd seen by david Iyer. Um, Still haven't watched that. He's done Training Day as well. I don't know if you've seen Training Day. No, he also did Fury, right? Um, yeah. And then all, all are well regarded. I've never I don't watched a single that's movie. That's why Suicide Squad. Him. It's meddling. It's meddling. The corporate meddling. I swear. It's just the, the way it's produced is not doesn't have Kevin Feige. They just don't have a cohesive way to build this. The best part of Suicide Squad was Batman, who is no longer in the DCEU. So yay, woo! Yeah, it's a failure. So, Actually, my favorite part of that movie was uh, the bar scene where they all bonded. Yeah, no, it is not. <laughs> no, I couldn't get that I was the care worst less. scene. That was awful. That was the worst. Uh, oh, oh, the the necklace thing. Uh, like our next one explode anymore? And then Captain Boomerang leaves, and then like it cuts to them all walking, and then he just walks back on a frame. What are you doing back? And, okay, anyway, it was not. I good. could talk about that for like years. It was not a good movie. How, yeah. Okay. It but, sucks. I feel bad for David Iyer being. Uh, but we don't know. Maybe it was David Iyer's fault. That's why I want to know. And so that would disappoint me about David Iyer. And I, I wonder. I don't know. I, I kind of it, it, and made me feel like I shouldn't watch another David Iyer film. In, in I, the beginning, I know that's really petty. That's yeah. stu- stupid. But there's this like, for instance, we don't really like Rise of Skywalker. And we can talk about this in another episode. This, yeah. this could fill a whole episode. We're not going to talk about this now. But the idea is, when I watched it, I kind of felt really bitter on J.J. Abrams as a director. I 100%. really, I kind of felt like, should I really go dive into another J.J. Abrams movie right away? If it's if it's a movie in theaters, is a twenty five dollar rental on iTunes? Am I gonna am I gonna buy that twenty five dollar rental? I don't know. No. Maybe wait till it's, it's $3. quite literally impossible. Yeah, it's tricky. So that that's the thing for me. Can't uh, another buy a note. On uh, method acting, 
uh, just just briefly here. Strange is also connected to David Iyer. But did you see the? There's a trailer release for the Tax Collector, a David Iyer movie that's coming out. No. You didn't see the trailer. No, I didn't see the trailer. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. But, we talked about this briefly before we started the show here. Yeah, I the only thing I know of that movie is that Shia LaBeouf uh, literally tattooed his entire like chest for his role. Yeah, like real tattooed it, like not, yeah. not fake tattooed. Yeah, like he real actually tattooed. tattooed it. That's and it's complete. Did you see the picture? Yeah, I did. I uh, it's completely black inked all the way through. Yeah, I follow this um, tattoo uh, tattoo fanatic. No, uh, no, there's a there's, there's oh. a Twitter uh, page where it's just like. Uh, like hidden Easter eggs in films. I forget the exact name, but oh, okay. they, they, they mentioned that. I was like, oh, that's super cool. And uh, that's ridiculous. He, yeah, and uh, oddly enough, uh, Shia LaBeouf for Fury for his role, he ripped out one of his teeth before starting it. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But if you tattoo your entire body, <laughs> I don't know. Dude, I, I don't know. Man. How do you go back from this? You can get a fake tooth. You like just then you do untattoo your body with like the laser tattoo removal laser. That's interesting. I don't know. Shia LaBeouf is in a little bit of a renaissance. I haven't seen either of his movies yet uh, that like really brought him back into the spotlight with Peanut Butter Falcon and uh, Honey Boy, but both are very well regarded. And I believe he co-wrote Honey Boy because it's uh, part of his like it's a about him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited to dive into those movies and yeah, we'll see. Cool. Number nine. As reported by Entertainment Weekly magazine, esteemed director Martin Scorsese has such great admiration for director Ari Aster's work that he wrote an introduction for the young filmmaker's horror film Midsommar. The foreword can be found in the upcoming Blu-ray release for Midsommar's director's cut. Scorsese writes, quote, I don't want to give away anything about this picture because you need to discover it for yourself. I can tell you that the formal control is just as impressive as that of Hereditary, maybe more so and that it digs into emotions that are just as real and deeply uncomfortable as the ones shared between the characters in the earlier picture. I can also tell you that there are true visions in this picture, particularly in the final stretch, that you're not likely to forget. I certainly haven't." Unquote. Hereditary and Midsommar have been critically very well received, with scores of 89% and 83% respectively on review aggregation website Rotten Tomatoes. What did you think about this news? Scorsese's endorsement of Midsommar and the fact that he's being featured in the actual box set for the movie. It's really cool. Um, again, I, I absolutely adored both Hereditary and Midsommar. I think it's amazing, amazing work. And considering that I believe uh, Hereditary was Ari Aster's like full, first full-length movie, and right now he's two for two with both Midsommar and Hereditary, I'm genuinely excited to see whatever else that guy makes. And it's pretty cool that this relatively young man, I assume, Ari Aster is. He called him a young man in the actual forward. But, I mean, Scorsese's not a young man. Yeah. (laughs) So relatively, I mean, you're a young man to me. Definitely. Technically. Yes. 12. Um, He's not 12. But um, I know you don't know, random person listening, but he's not 12. 48 uh but yeah the idea of martin scorsese arguably you know one of the uh biggest directors in like recent well not recent memory for decades creating these phenomenal flicks that have stayed with people for years they're epic everyone of them is epic pretty Um, much and the ones i haven't seen his entire like filmography uh but again like 
watching the Wolf of Wall Street um, for the first time, this three-hour-long um, fantastic movie with a fantastic story. With Wait, fantastic you watched movie. it recently for the first time? No, I watched it uh, a couple years back. Oh, that was the first um, movie you've seen? Yeah, that. Oh, I see. Yeah, because I, I was getting, I got into like actual film and following big directors and things like that pretty late. And uh, yeah, just watching that movie and again going through some of his o- earlier stuff. It's just really cool to see him kind of co- like talking positively about uh, Ari Aster's work. Uh, which again, in my opinion, is is just absolutely phenomenal, and it kind of is an interesting, um, like par- uh, not parallel, I guess, um, like thing to point out about how he talked about Marvel movies. I, know, I was gonna say the same thing. You know what I mean? I have a, a note here specifically mentioning this exact thing that I was I was gonna bring that up. So it's just yeah, but exactly that him talking about how Marvel movies are just like theme park movies, and there's nothing really to them, and then just. Yeah, Literally. they call them amusement parks, specifically. Yes. What a weird statement. Which isn't totally incorrect, because they are fun and they're awesome. He didn't call them awesome. movies, though. He, he said they weren't films. Oh. Uh, that was the issue, right? Yeah, it's a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> well, that, that was the um, problem. The problem is he called them amusement parks. They're not. These are not films. These are amusement parks. And so the, I don't understand. You can call them amusement park films. Because that you're right. Yeah, he's not incorrect. They're but he was trying ride. to say that they weren't films themselves because of the way that they are. But it's like no, they're still films. That's just not true. The problem with this whole thing is that these superhero films have kind of dominated, and it's it's kind of an issue in some way. And that that's where the money is. So that's kind of where everyone's going. But yeah, I, I agree. There's an irony, sort of. He's yeah, or at least it's yeah. He's diving into this one. It's good that he's got com- positive comments to say about it. Exactly, director. yeah. Because it's like the, these movies, and I think Bob Iger jumped in and said it pretty well after uh, Scorsese mentioned amusement parks for Marvel movies. He, Bob Iger, obviously the CEO of Disney, who owns former, Marvel. he's still in charge again. Oh, is he? Yeah, it's odd. He keeps he like snip snap, snip snap. He's constantly the. I don't know why, but anyway, he's back in again to save the day with COVID. I think. Cool. I'm pretty sure, unless I just missed the news and he's out again. I'm Maybe. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, point is, he said after after Martin Scorsese said this, he's like, well, I, I love Scorsese's films, but I, I don't really understand the distinction. These are still films, and the people that work on these are pretty high-quality high directors and, and crew members and actors. Uh, I don't really see why this distinction needs to be made. <laughs> and it's true. Why does it have it's to be a little be bit silly. It's silly. It doesn't make any sense. It's like... We watch all of these, all of these movies pretty much. We're watching a lot of superhero films, as you can tell from our news. We chose these specific pieces, uh, but we also watched a lot of movies like uh, The Lighthouse, as an example. Yeah, which is phenomenal. And and we again, we just consider ourselves fans. Arguably, we're we're trying to be approachable, <laughs> but but especially with this podcast, if if you're listening out there. But yeah, it is funny that he, he commented that way. And Midsommar is amazing. I would completely agree with you. It is amazingly haunt, haunting. And my favorite thing was the last line that he said. It was just like, I will not easily forget the moments in the final stretch. 100%. <laughs> Dude, it stuck with me ever <laughs> How since. How ridiculous is that ending? Yeah. Again, it's not ridiculous, like bad. It's, it's, just, it's unbelievable. It's pretty unbelievable. It's again. The people yeah. were quiet in the theater. It was very awkward in there. I, I it felt is so incredibly uncomfortable. It is Again, uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I don't want to give anything about this picture, uh, give anything away about this picture because I genuinely do believe you need to discover it for yourself. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm just like Martin Scorsese. But no, honestly, like he did say that proper. Uh, I think both of those movies are something that I would recommend going in blind. Hereditary is uh, like a more typical, I guess, like horror movie, quote unquote. Yeah, um, it's not as it's not super unique. Midsummer is like actually. I've never seen anything like it. Unreal. Ever. I can't. I can't. I don't know. Hereditary is awesome too, and it's fantastic in other ways. And it's scary in the creepiest way. And the way they do sound in both movies is really, really mm-hmm. good. Um, Hereditary is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Hereditary. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, cause, cause Midsummer is scary, but in in, in a sense of uh, discomfort and confusion. I was very dis- uncomfortable after. Oh my I goodness. I yeah. I I, I was yeah. It, but like Hereditary, like. I didn't have nightmares, but I remember leaving the theater and being like, oh my, like, Jesus Christ, and driving home and, like, feeling like I was seeing things in the side of my eyes and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, good call. And it was, like, yeah, it's it's fantastic. I think um, Hereditary really captures that just, like, tense horror elements that I think uh, the Babadook uh, did incredibly well. Or again, it's this era of, like, mystery, like, what's kind of going on, but at the same time, it's just freaking frightening man like yeah it's um both are fantastic movies uh and again i i can't wait to see what uh ari aster's up to next yeah that's what's actually that's exactly what scorsese said as well he mentioned that he he dived into hereditary and was really impressed and then he he thought well midsummer's got a bigger budget they're doing it in another country they're filming it like like off like in a different area of the world and usually, not always, but a lot of the times, the second picture is not the best. It's it it kind of always declines in terms of the quality when you're when you have like a new director. And I I think it got better. It, yeah, it's, I know. It I says, agree. I know. I wrote also in here in this news thing that is eighty nine percent and eighty three percent respectively, meaning eighty nine percent of Rotten Tomatoes for Hereditary and eighty three percent for Midsummer. I disagree with this. I feel Me like too. That they Me should too. be maybe flipped or. Midsummer should be 90% because it's it's quite good. I don't know. Definitely. Cool. Number 10. The final news story. Correct. The final, last but not least. In an interview with Yahoo Movies UK, Sam Neill was asked about his role in Jurassic World Dominion. And he revealed that along with Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum, he would be featured, quote, all the way through the film, unquote. This further confirms Chris Bratt's previous comments made in February in an interview with Ellen DeGeneres when he said, quote, all of the cast from the original Jurassic Park is coming back, so it's going to feel very much like how Endgame brought everything together at Marvel, unquote. Excited about this, Adrian? Yes, this is what I call an amusement park movie, quite literally. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Uh, but it's a movie, though. It's it a is movie, a movie. Though. It's, I, not a, it's not some... We don't believe this here on, on Split Focus. Okay. No. It's outrageous. Yeah. Anyways. Suicide Squad's not really a movie, Jur- though. So Jurassic Sucks. Park, I am not a massive fan of, but I know that you... I love it. Definitely a I, fan. I, uh, I don't think I ever grew out of my dinosaur phase from being a kid. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. I, I'm still befuddled as to why there are no dinosaur TV shows or movies and stuff like that. Other than again, Land, Be- Land Before Time and Jurassic World or Jurassic Park, um, I, I'm just confused. Like, why aren't there more dinosaurs? I want more dinosaur <laughs> stuff, and I cannot. There's got to be kids shows. Wait, I'm not gonna watch that. There's also Horizon Zero Dawn, but that's a video. Exactly, game. Um, and part part of the reason why I love that so much. 
I just love dinosaurs. I know I'm really hammering this home, but I love every single Jurassic Park movie, all three of them, and I love both of the fall, uh, like both of the. Now Jurassic people World. do believe that you are twelve. As yes, you stated before. Yes, and I love both of the uh, Jurassic World movies as well. Um, and I know that a lot of people are like, "Oh, you know, Jurassic Park Two is not as good. Jurassic Park Three is like pretty crappy." And then a lot of people didn't like Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. I loved each of those movies. I had fun with them. All I want to see is dinosaurs killing people, and you get it in every single Oof. one. I don't really care about like this crazy plot line, which is cool that it's there, but all I want to see <laughs> is important. dinosaurs killing people. And again, I want something to carry the plot forward, but that's really just back burner. I just want these crazy action scenes. Again, one of my favorite things like one of the reasons why i love jurassic world fallen kingdom uh so much is because it's almost a like three movies in one it it feels like a like a quick like mini series because it starts off on the island which is fantastic and then and there's like a definite ending point and then there's like this boat portion which again has like a definite ending point and all are very different tonally and you go to the last portion of jurassic world fallen kingdom which reminds me a lot of jurassic park these like like uh, very deep horror elements and kind of the uh it reminds me of the uh, scene in jurassic park where the raptors when they jump on top of the kitchen uh, counters and they're tapping their nail they they do that thing again in well jurassic you find world. that in jurassic world as well like there's there's these moments of horror throughout yeah, you you do but, but not to that extent and again i love all all of those movies uh every single one of them I want to rewatch them like every single year. Anytime I think about them, I'm like, I'm going to rewatch all five of these. I, I've been meaning to rewatch Fallen Kingdom for the past, like since it re- released in theaters. I know well, you haven't it, seen it yet, like in, out of theaters. No, I haven't. Okay, and like the, 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 the going mi- back to that horror idea, like Jay Bayona, like the the director, he's a horror typically not always, yeah. but he's typically a horror director. So you can really definitely see the tale of two styles with that concept of having it like the, again the tapping of the, the it's claw. so good sure it's so good and it's so nostalgic and again i like when i think about my childhood the t- there's two franchises that like immediately pop out to me and it's jurassic park and teddy rucks and the land before time oh what are the chances that both of those are dinosaur things you know like, as a child yeah as a child still that way now honestly kind of like when i think about Come well on. not really but you know what i mean when i think about my childhood and what i feel most nostalgic for it is dinosaurs and that sort of stuff and again oddly enough steven spielberg directed both jurassic park and the land before time there you go um and yeah like again i just i can't wait for this i i literally cannot wait for this <laughs> i movie. definitely think that jurassic world was better than fallen kingdom I, I definitely think this is true. Yeah, and in almost every way, I just think that I, I, <laughs> that's fair. I don't dislike Fallen Kingdom, but I just find that what you said about having three movies it, that was a, for me a problem. Like, there's a tonal issue. I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it's awful. I don't think the tonal problem was a huge thing. I just think that it, it made the movie worse, and that's so that's fair. my issue with that. I and so Colin Trevorrow directed full, uh in the initial yep. Jurassic World and yep. he's directing this movie as well. And that description of having that that to me is my most excited thing. Is Jurassic Park is a classic, such a good good movie, the first one. Let's just say yeah. the first Jurassic Park, number one. And to have Goldblum, Sam Neill and Laura Dern back. 
all at the same in the same movie. I just can't believe it. That it that matters because of what Sam Neill said about having them in the whole movie. Because I don't want the Jeff Goldblum Fallen Kingdom situation again. They advertised, they plastered his face all over the posters. They put him in the trailer. He was not in the movie for more than like five minutes. Yeah, no, it, it was a little bit odd, but I really liked it. That and was I think... my least favorite thing about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Oh, uh, fair enough. I don't, I, did I just say my least favorite thing twice about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom? Yeah, you did. Sorry, that was my second <laughs> least favorite thing. Whatever. They're tied. Um, but no, like, uh, again, I, I kind of like that. And now it kind of, it's kind of cooler that he's just briefly in it in the next, in uh, fallen kingdom. And now he's going to be in it throughout the That's entire. That's cool now, but yeah, they only got that together. Yeah. 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 Because people were upset because they, they get, I went to that movie for Jeff Goldblum. What the heck happened? I did not go for Jeff Goldblum. I went for dinosaurs killing people. Speaking of Jeff Goldblum, have you watched this show on Disney plus? You're going to say no, no, it's kind of, <laughs> <laughs> well, that ends that conversation. No, it's actually pretty good. It's it's different though. It's like a documentary style where Jeff Goldblum does Jeff Goldblumy things, and he eats ice cream and talks about ice cream as a as an idea in America, and and he, he the first episode was about sneakers, I think it was sneakers, and and he goes around and talks about how sneakers make there's like certain sneakers that you can that sell for like thousands of dollars. It's like a sneaker market where people buy sneakers in like a giant warehouse. Anyways, it's it's interesting because it's Jeff Goldblum, and everything he does is very Jeff Goldblumy. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That was oh, that was an impression. You didn't see his face, so you missed out there, viewer or listener. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, that was the news. Yeah, uh, just just more about. Oh, sorry, more about Jurassic Park. Jurassic World Dominion World. is my most anticipated movie. Jurassic, sorry, so repeat that. Again. Jurassic World Dominion is my most anticipated movie. Cool, it's not mine, but that's good. I just can't wait. That's I cannot wait. Do we know when the release date is? Sorry, I didn't actually it is, uh, write that it's into this. 2021. I believe it's supposed to be July 2021. Another part of this actually was Sam Neill was saying that uh, they're going to try and get back into the uh, back into the swing of filming soon. I think he said that the cast was currently quarantined. He was just finishing up. He's releasing. He has another movie he's in, um, and so he's doing like a the press press briefings or whatever for it. But he's yeah, there he's going to go into quarantine essentially and whatever. Uh, I think they were filming in London. I could be wrong. Um, as a note on this, just June twenty twenty one, June tenth. Well, we'll see if that happens. Again, I really want to go see a movie in a theater. Me too, man. This is sad. <laughs> this is a sad, sad time. What a great time to start this podcast about film that we can't go see in theaters, isn't it? Are we geniuses? Yes. <laughs> great. Um, as a note, by the way, before just in between segments, we've got one more segment to go uh, before we sign off for the first episode of Split Focus. But the uh, the other thing to mention is we've got an, an email address, uh, and specifically, it's in the it's in the chat function. Uh, it's in the chat. What am I talking about? It's description. It's in the description. Thank you. That's 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 why you're here. It's in the, you're welcome. It's in the description of of our podcast. It states that if you. Well, it doesn't actually state very much, but if you actually just send us an email uh, with a question or a comment, we will specifically call it out on every episode. We want this to be conversational with not just ourselves, and you may have noticed that it's very conversational and that we just go off on random tangents the whole time. Uh, Is it tangent or tanit? <laughs> no, I'm sorry about that. I actually cut that out. <laughs> I'm leaving that in now. Uh, thanks for saying cut that out. I will not. Um, but the yeah, so the the idea is, um, you 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 lost me. I you you made me lose my thought. It's a conversational podcast. Yeah, thank Email. you. Conversational, but we, not just between us, 
but with, of course, the audience. And so that's really important to us. We're going to like throw in comments throughout the entire podcast. We might link them to news. That's the whole plan is to really, you know, get this get this podcast swinging. So please. Swinging. The email address is? Splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. That's correct. Splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. Again, it's in the podcast description. The last segment that we are looking at today is new releases for this upcoming week. So this is siphoned from Rotten Tomatoes and others for Friday, July the 10th. We need to take a hard look at what we want to include within this segment, and I am reading <laughs> what I was not supposed to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Growing pains. Anyways. Growing pains. Uh, <laughs> That's ridiculous. So these are uh, specifically going to be movies uh, releasing this week on streaming platforms. So, And, of course, movies releasing in theaters once that actually comes to fruition. Uh, we're going to do uh, original movies. So, like, Netflix original movies, Apple uh, TV original movies, etc. Ideally, because, again, chances are if a movie is releasing at home, it will be released on a streaming service at the time. Now, of course, there may be some odd um, home releases, like through whatever uh, digital rental services, like we t- uh, mentioned at the top, like The Hunt and stuff. But for now, we're just going to keep it at Netflix original movies. And again, once we can go to the theaters and movies get released in theaters, we will include those as well. So for this upcoming week, uh, on Wednesday, July the 8th, we have a Netflix original movie called Mucho Mucho Amor, The Legend of Walter Mercado. Uh, that is coming out once again this Wednesday, July eighth. It's currently a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes with twelve reviews. Um, on the Friday, July tenth, we have three movies coming out. A movie called Greyhound, starring Tom Hanks, uh, coming out on the Apple TV Plus um, streaming service. The next one we have is Palm Springs, which is coming out on Hulu. So unfortunately for us Canadians. I don't know what streaming service that's going to come out I feel on. Like they're going to be on iTunes. I yeah. think it'll be one of those. Like just yeah, we can rent. Bucks. Yeah, yeah, great. Bummer. Palm Springs is uh, stars. Did you look at that one at all? No. Uh, it stars um, Andy Samberg. Oh, I definitely did. Yeah, you you actually mentioned this on the top, and I totally yeah. That was one hundred percent too, which is interesting. Cool. Is it a comedy? I'd imagine it's Andy Samberg. Although I'm sure he could do a. Uh, the man a has range, baby. Yeah, potentially. Like, you know, uh, Adam Sandler. Oh, Uncut the, Gems. dude. What a great movie. I know. Um, or uh, I, I thought you were going to say Jason Bateman because that would have brought us back. Oh. Was, you know what I mean? Oh, missed range. opportunities, I suppose. Hey, live and you learn. It's like when you read the read the copy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, disappointed. That was honestly ridiculous. And then finally, uh, on, again, on Friday, July 10th, we have The Old Guard. Um, that is a Netflix original movie starring Charlize Theron. I, I'm actually, like, out of those four movies, I'm most interested to see The Old Guard <clears throat> just because I, I believe it's based on a graphic novel, which I, I have no attachment to. But I really like Charlize Theron in uh, Atomic Blonde, and she really proved her, like, action movie chops. And I'm honestly down to see any action movie with her uh as the starring role. I think she knocked it out of the park with Atomic Blonde. And I'm very excited to see this. I know it's only a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes right now, but hey, man, sometimes... Atomic Blonde, though. Oh, yeah. That's true. Um, 
So I don't know. I'm always down to see a nice like popcorn flick. And yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm very uh, excited about that. There are a couple like um, notable mentions. Uh, not really a movie, but uh, Jim Jeffries is coming out with his new uh, stand-up special on Netflix. That's actually uh, this upcoming Tuesday, July seventh, called Intolerant. Pretty funny guy. I don't really like the person, but uh, I like his comedy specials. So I'm interested in maybe watching that. Who knows? Um, and there's also things coming out on Quibi. How the hell is Quibi a thing? What is, like, what the heck? I was seeing ads for this when this, are, are they, is, is it alive? It, they're releasing original. I don't know how they must have. They must have just filmed so much stuff and had all this money that they spent and now they just have to keep releasing it. I don't know, but it, I doubt I, the recording. Who's watching it? I don't know. The, the big selling point for Quibi is you can watch these movies in portrait mode. Who the hell wants to watch movies on their phone in portrait? Well, can you I, even cast? It's I built in for it's built for your phone. Yeah, well, I imagine if you're you know on the road, you know, on a bus or you know, you know, somewhere remotely where you're driving around for work. See the problem? Yeah, we're, we're stuck inside. Podcast. We're stuck inside. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, it, why why would you do this when you could just watch it on your television? Oh my god, it's. Maybe it's maybe they're trying to go for like the you know the PlayStation Vita was popular. Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> that's what I was trying to say. Like maybe that's what they're trying to go for that angle of like on the go. That's your your option for streaming services. But when you're at home, you would watch Netflix. I'm gonna watch Netflix on my phone. I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna watch Netflix on my phone way before I watch anything on Quibi. <laughs> Why is it called Quibi? What a think, dumb name. I think if you're gonna name it, maybe. Maybe the name is the issue. Also, another thing about I feel Quibi, bad for bashing you know who, on this company that's probably going to go bankrupt. Yeah, and I know. Maybe we need to give I, it a chance. Yeah, there's some, maybe some good content on there. We just, I, you know, I'm what, write back to you. us at our email address that I told you about and tell us why you love Quibi. Yeah, uh, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to see if I can still sign up for Quibi before next week. I'm going to watch a couple things on it just for a free trial. Just is, for a free trial. Is it 30 days? Do you know? I don't know. I'll take a look. Even if it's not, even if it's like a ten dollars subscription, I'll You're give them ten back. bucks. You're gonna tell us what and happened. I'll report back. Oh, look or at that! You I will tune forget. in for the next episode so you can hear what Adrian discovered from Quibi. Because also, who knows? Maybe I'm gonna come back next week and be like, "Oh my god, I was wrong." Quibi is the greatest creation. It is the greatest invention ever invented. It's the best thing ever created since sliced bread. It was. It's better than sliced bread. It's better than the internet. Wow. You know? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that will be me next week. I, it's doubtful. You know what director would never? Uh, I'm not. I can never say never because I mean he debuted his trailer on Fortnite. Not only did he debut his trailer on Fortnite. I know. I'm gonna ruin this surprise. Christopher Christopher Nolan. He just aired like Inception on Fortnite. You could watch the entirety of Inception yeah, on what Fortnite. The heck? You he could watch. Believes it. that you should only watch things in theaters. That's why Tenet's only really released in theaters. There's no way it will release. I don't understand. This concept with Fortnite. How much is he getting paid? Millions. Well, maybe it's Warner Brothers and he's got no choice. Maybe. I don't know. It's it's odd. You, you must admit, it's truly strange. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's what I was going to say. Christopher Nolan wouldn't use Quibi because he would not like this concept of the the portrait mode. That's not. That's a, he's a purist. He films everything with a like 70 millimeter camera. Yeah. That's not happening. I don't know. I would like to see uh, his uh, Memento remake on Quibi. <laughs> Wait, oh yeah, but he's not doing the Memento remake, is he? I don't know. 
Yeah, why would they remake Memento? What man. a great movie. It is. And Why it, would you do it's this? It's not even like old. Like it still holds up. It was are like, they doing it though? Maybe this is one of the, because do, mm. don't you imagine that some of these projects are going to get scrapped at this point? I hope so. Because like they just I won't have every the funds. project gets uh, scrapped. No, you don't. Point, and then they restart. What's it. our podcast on here? <laughs> it's not even funny. I'll Come on. socks. Thank you. Pineapple. Thank you. Thank you. Adrian is pointing to my socks. They have pineapples on them. Uh, yep. <laughs> a nice pineapple sauce. We used to do a video podcast, so, you know, I have to describe it. I just have bland black socks with a red stripe on them. We're now discussing socks. I think we should move on. Yeah. Uh, that's Is that our show? I think that is our show, Simon Edie. So that's our podcast. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Edie. This is Adrian Pinter signing off. Take care, guys. I just want you to know Batman v Superman is a good movie. Goodbye.